Hi, this is Taste Buds, and I'm your buddy, Corey. This episode of Taste Buds is brought to you by Foodora, Canada's number one food delivery app that knows where to find the best food near you. No matter what type of food or price range, Foodora opens up cities to a world of flavor. Whatever cuisine you're craving, Sri Lankan, Mexican, Japanese, it's just a tap away through Foodora. Make the kotu roti, tamale, or sushi burrito that you've been dreaming of a reality without even leaving your home. You'll save $12 off on your first order through Foodora by using the promo code TASTEBUDS. Hey, tonight I'm at a fancy steakhouse that serves $1,200 steaks with two former vegans. And one of them runs the place. I'm meeting with two chefs, Suzanne Barr, who opened her dream restaurant and on the same day found out she was pregnant and built it into a busy, noisy, money-making success only to piss off her noise-sensitive landlord who lives upstairs, and Danny McCallum, once a radical environmentalist whose roommates were involved in an FBI car bombing incident, is now the chef here at Jacobs & Company Steakhouse, where we are about to slice into some pretty amazing beef. I want to be respectful to the things that just arrived yeah. on the table. Uh, this is a um, Nebraska ribeye. Um, classic, delicious. But this one here is from PEI. It's uh, potato-fed, um, because you know PEI, they grow a lot of potatoes. Yeah. And so a fermented potato gets the cow drunk, cow gets happy, <laughs> and then happy cow is happy meat. I'm just gonna I grab just gonna, a piece very excited of this beef here. Yeah. Mm. I'm going for the potato. It's pretty tasty. And this, this steak is like velvet, by the way. Which one do you like better? The T-bone? I love the fat of the T-bone. Yeah, I think I'm here. Mm. I haven't tried it yet, so, and I oh, was please. loving this one, so. May I pass yeah. you some yeah, steak? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll uh. grab a piece from there if you don't mind. You know, we are working with the world's most expensive product, Kobe beef. You know, we have a $1,200 steak on the menu. Is there one person dedicated to that steak? I have three people who can cook that steak. Wow. So depending, actually four, four people who can cook you rotate a $1,200 steak. Yeah, and they rotate through yeah, the week. And wow. I, I have no fear of them cooking the $30 steak over the $1,200 steak. Absolutely. Because they've learned that process on how to do it properly. Is anyone ever disappointed in the flavor of that steak? Well, it's funny because for connoisseurs who know Kobe beef and can appreciate it and the evolution of beef, they um, will never be disappointed. But Kobe beef is actually less tender than some of the other Japanese beef. The immediate first thing they think is, oh, it's gonna be super buttery, melt in your mouth, um, delicious, and which it is, first of all. That's the, the, the main thing. Right. But second of all, underneath that, the Japanese beef can be very um, unique in its terroir. So basically yeah. it's all terroir based. And so in the north and the south are very different. Okinawa is very hot and tropical, whereas Hokkaido is very cold and beer, you know, yeah. Sapporo is from there. So obviously the cows are gonna eat different things. There they're eating the greens and malts and barley and hop. And Okinawa, they're eating pineapple and, uh, and tropical mango, fruits and, and you know whatever yeah. they grow because that's where you know all the juice for supplying Japan, tropical fruit Michi. juice comes from, is yeah. down there. Apples to the cows, yeah, they that's do. So literally, shit. you can taste the difference in the cow when you develop this subtle, you know, terroir difference idea. You know, and 
Kobe beef is maybe a little less tender than some of the other Japanese meat. People, when they ask me, uh, where should I go for a, a steak? And I honestly, you wouldn't like this, but I used to tell them I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't order a steak in a restaurant. I would always right. tell people like, I wouldn't order a steak in a restaurant because I can go to my butcher and buy a great steak and I can cook yep. a great steak yep. because I'm a grown up and I know how to cook a steak. Right. <laughs> And then I came here and I think you get, I was working on a story years ago and you gave me a tour and I realized um, there's some ingredients and tools that we don't have access to. And I ended up interviewing this guy. You introduced me to Danny, um, whose name is, what's the Wagyu Sakai guy? Ken. He goes, his family farmer is, uh, they're farmers from Japan. They started a farm in the 60s. In the 90s, started transitioning to, they imported like some Wagyu cattle from Japan in the handful of years that Japan was letting any of these animals leave the country, wow. have bred these cattle, yeah. and now I think mostly sell sperm and embryos yeah. for other cattle farmers, but they slaughter like one cow every two months yeah, that's and bring that to you. Only to us. Wow. So I cannot go and buy this product in a butcher shop. It's such a cold product, this one. Like when it does come, there's a call list of people that want us to call them so of they course. can come and just eat this stuff. It's, of, I you know, would like to. He, he has stories where he jumps on the cow and he pinches the skin on their back and literally like can feel the meat <laughs> and he can determine due to the texture of the meat what is missing from their diet. <laughs> the visual That's ridiculous. Of that. <laughs> so does the cow like... <laughs> Buck him off, or like you know, I think he has like this fine relationship with he's the like Zen with them. He has to be. He is. He's amazing, and it's incredible. You know the the f story that I have behind each of the pieces of meat. You know, knowing the family, knowing that they raised it, um, they actually uh, had the two animals. Um, you know, do it out in the field, and then the. <laughs> <laughs> For lack of better <laughs> words, I, and, I'm um, an English piece of beef. Fucking phenomenal. So they literally like you know they, the they keep zone. the males and females separate, and then when they want stuff to happen, they'll put the male out into the field, and you know they'll have a night of it, right? Like light it's like candles. it's a big uh, yeah yeah they light a lot Isaac of candles. Hayes. Yeah, you know, put down a lot of hay down, make them the bed really nice and Comfy. beautiful and then the the magic happens you know and it literally goes from literally beginning to end wow the family raised this animal hand fed it you know if something was wrong and pulled it aside even brought it into their house sometimes on some examples i know like had a, one of the animals sleep in their living room they raised them with such love such care and then um slaughter them with such love and care if there is such a thing like in terms of the japanese stuff they know uh, 70 generations back minimum the wagyu sakai website has like the names of the father the grandfather mm -hmm. like oh etc cetera, et cetera. as if it was like like brad pitt they were talking about like, oh yeah we all know like the name no, of this cow from like the i'm 70s. literally not kidding this is so extreme meat that you know being a i started out as a vegan chef I was vegan for nine years. I was vegan for nine years as well. Hey. Yeah. I was actually a radical environmentalist for a long time. Hey. Um, I was part of Earth First movement. I lived with Daryl Cherney and Judy Berry who were blown up by the FBI and had a bomb planted in their car. They were bombed by the FBI? They were bombed by the FBI. So they had a, a bomb blow up in their car. Fuck. 
And then the FBI came in immediately and said that they were to blame because they were radical environmentalists and that they were going to put a bomb on some sort of logging camp or so whatever. the bomb exploded. Their the bomb, bomb exploded. It was their motion bomb that was theirs exploded in their car and blew themselves up, basically, is what, what the FBI was saying. I think the court case went on for five, six years, and they actually proved that the FBI planted this bomb in their car and blew them up on their way to a peaceful singer-songwriter rally. I mean, I think That's most people saying. know FBI and, and any of those secret agencies have their fingers dealt in oh, so yeah. many of those. You know, and this is back in the early days when they declared yeah. environmentalism as a, a threat to national security. So then, therefore, wow. they're allowed to take extra precautions. You were the terrorist yeah, of yeah. the time. And vegetarian <laughs> of a steakhouse. Yes. What brought you back to meat? You know this this whole idea of full circle, and you know I don't really see a beginning or an end to this circle. And as like there's nothing wrong with where you are in that, as long as you're coming from a good place, you yeah. know, and a place of respect. I think that's the most important. And um, I've now made this here. What we're looking at steaks and beef and uh, all of this fit in my idea of respect. And um, I still feel very confident and good about what we do. Yeah. You know, I think that makes total sense to me. Yeah, you know, and like, in uh, every way. Yeah. Suzanne, what was what was your route back to meet after also nine years of veganism? Bacon. <laughs> it was fucking Spain. Fucking Spain. Right, right. Like, you couldn't travel yeah, through Spain. Yeah, almost, yeah. Almost bacon, yeah. Was, Did you go to Spain thinking, I'm going to stay vegan? I went to Europe thinking, yeah, I was going to totally stay <laughs> vegan. Right. And I got turned the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, no, you know nothing. Yeah. And I didn't get sick. I just kind of was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I just was like, oh my God, this is <laughs> this is nothing like I've ever had in my life before. Yeah. But even when I decided to put country fried steak on my menu at the dinette, like mm. I was so scared of steak because mm. all right. in, like, you know, like well, a steak. There's a lot of responsibility there. And if you know where it's coming from, <laughs> exactly. you know what is happening with this animal. Like, right. um, it kind of freaks me out. And I think a lot of that goes back to my childhood. Right. You know, we used to go to this one <laughs> beef steakhouse called Charlie's Beef Steak. Okay. And that was like, that was us going out for fancy dinner. Right. In our house, steak was, you know, minute steak. My mom did that yeah, all yeah, the time, yeah. which is like, yeah. still. You're, you're, you're like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, is that even a cut that I can right. even ask for? I'm like, what is that? What was I that? I remember minute steaks. You remember minute steaks? Yeah. Like, it was probably literally sirloin. So the part that comes after the short line, and they hammered it out because it was so tough. Like yeah. it was a tough piece of meat, but you could literally hammer it, it out and super thin, thin you know, mm -hmm. and make it tender at the same time. It's brilliant, really. Uh, Suzanne, do you mind passing the rapini? Oh my gosh. I gotta, get, I gotta eat some vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. Eat some greens. <laughs> yeah. Taste Buds is brought to you by Foodora, Canada's number one food delivery app. The other day, I texted my wife asking if she had any requests for dinner, and she messaged me back the exact two words I expected, something healthy. I was about to start planning a meal, and I was searching the fridge for vegetables. But let's be real. 
After a long day at work, heading into the grocery store to buy fresh ingredients so you can make an involved, nutritious dinner is not exactly tempting. And on the other hand, ordering delivery can sometimes feel like giving up, especially when the foods are usually greasy and fried. Yes, eating fried chicken can be a transformative experience. I mean, I always want fried chicken. But its otherworldliness is momentary and often leaves me feeling uh, unproductive. Foodora is committed to offering you the most delicious and nutritious food in your city. Their filters help you navigate a variety of options and hide the ones you're not interested in. So when my wife asked for something healthy, I clicked healthy food and Foodora's app gave me 37 restaurants near me. With choices for salads, soups, cold-pressed juices, poke, plus the ability to exclusively see vegan, vegetarian, and gluten-free options. Let Foodora take care of dinner tonight. Download their app and use the promo code TASTEBUDS for $12 off your first order. The day that you opened your first restaurant, Saturday then at, yeah. you found out you were pregnant. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really a moment of... Of, of every feeling, it was, I was scared, I was frustrated, because I had just come out of, I had like a little altercation, verbal altercation with someone regarding the napkins that were making, that were being made for the restaurant. She was trying to overcharge me, and mm -hmm. so I was like in transit, my doctor called me. He's like, yeah, we know it's what's going on. I'm like, okay, what's up? Because like, I feel like shit, I'm like annoyed. He's like, so you're pregnant, so you should probably come. And I was like, oh. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. And every single moment of that building out phase, like I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, we didn't really know the city. I had only been in the city for two years and then day one <laughs> to find out. And, you know, I walked up to my husband and I was just like, so doctor called me, I found out, so I'm pregnant, but this damn woman at this fucking place with the fucking nap, he's like, so wait, he's like, wait, wait what? <laughs> he said, you buried the lead with the, I don't want to hear about the napkins. I was crying, he was laughing, and I was like, okay, here we go, let's do this. If I'm in your kitchen and somebody yells out, switch, <laughs> what, what happens? What does that mean? <laughs> Switch is, um, it's something that I started with uh, two of my chefs where every Sunday was Hip Hop Sunday brunch. Nice. I'm a big hip hop fan. And so Switch was something that I decided to do for them to kind of get more comfortable with the different responsibilities in our kitchens. And so I was like, okay, there's three of us. When I call it out, you have to rotate Whatever you're doing, stop what you're doing and shift over to the next position. <laughs> wow. And that came from, um, I'm gonna really put myself out there. Mm -hmm. House Party, Kid and Play was like one of my favorite movies growing up. And there was a scene in the film where Martin Lawrence was a DJ and he kept screaming out, switch. And that was to <laughs> let the dancers know you had to switch your partner. And the first day that we tried it, they were like, chef, we can't. No, I, I have to, I've been, I'm doing pancakes or I'm doing this. And I'm like, no, switch, move. <laughs> wow. Danny, you've got a look of disbelief on your face. You always see, because I'm just imagining these particular guys that like, you know, are there now 
in your them kitchen. switching and just that sense of panic that mm-hmm. they were expressing. I could see them just like literally being petrified, not even moving their legs to move <laughs> along. Like they would be terrified to do. Because you right got now. like you got I a grill person, garmage. Well, fr- see, like, I dream of the day that I would have everyone being able to work every station. Yeah. That is my dream. You know, one of my cooks, he was always telling me, Chef, you know, I don't really know how to do the pancake batter that well. I'm not really confident and. You know, I have the recipe, but I don't know it. And I said, okay, you guys are going to learn today. (laughs) Suzanne, is it fair to say you had a bit of a landlord situation? Um, Yeah, I would say so. (laughs) I mean, that's the reason why we closed the dinette. We, you know, we had um, experience dealings with them for over two and a half years, and it was progressively getting kind of worse. And it got to the point where basically we had to um, file for a restraining order. Wow, and, that's, um, that's serious. Like that's as serious as it could get, no? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I would than, say, you know, yeah. I've within. heard a lot of problems with a lot of problematic landlords or, or bad intentions or whatnot, but I mean, when I first met you, and at the time this, you were still going through this and you didn't want to talk about it publicly, but the impression I got was these people rented to you a restaurateur. They previously had a restaurant in there, and yet when you open on day one, they start complaining about the noise. Because where do they live? Right above. (laughs) How can can you be surprised by the noise of a restaurant when you just had a restaurant there? Like how bad did it get? I will go actually back to the last day, the day that we officially, my, my partner, I decided to close the door. Um, I received a call from my sous chef. She called me to tell me that he was standing outside with a hammer, um, chiseling at the wall, staring at customers. We had just called the cops and um, I, I said, okay, well, get your camera out, get your phone out. Let's get that on record. Because it got into the point where we had to start documenting everything because yeah. it was, yeah. he was important. filming our staff. He was. You'd gone beyond restraining or yeah, the guys like attacking still, the building with a hammer. And it's yeah. his building. And it's his building. And, and apparently he told the cops that he was doing light construction. And so when the cops came to my partner and said, hey, like, he told us that he was just doing some light construction. We're like, no, you, he's staring at the customers and he's hammering and he's, you know, sticking his middle finger up at my husband regularly, like, he's fucking crazy. And I just started crying and I just, I just was like, what the fuck is this for anymore? Like, Mm. I don't want to deal with this shit anymore. You know, I called Johnny, I said, are we done? He's like, yeah, we're done. I mean, the heartbreak in your voice, what was the financial cost of walking away? It was everything. We had just gotten into the green. Mm -hmm. We were out of the red and we were finally making money. Everything you just listed is sad, but if I may, mazel tov to putting terrible people who are making your life miserable in the rearview mirror. You know, so congrats to that. There's a weird Twilight Zone thing going on where, like, we live in a culture that obsesses over food. Right. In the last generation, fetishizes food, big and small, both like this little hole-in-the-wall taco place and some fancy place, $100. And we take pictures of it and we like, everything is centered around food. I don't hear a lot about steakhouses. No. It seems to exist as like a trend 
averse or allergic uh, dining subculture like? I think about this a lot because A, we're incredibly busy. Like mm -hmm. crazy busy. So many people come here. Like Amazing. so. Well, that's what know. I mean. And yet you're full. You have a staff of ninety. Yeah. In this yeah, building. Yeah, you're not sitting around saying, "When will people discover steak?" Right. <laughs> exactly. Like who are you know, co so, who's coming <laughs> to dinner well, today? So it, it's incredibly busy. But on the other hand, there is a certain confinement. But um, for example, I have a guy named Fred coming tomorrow, bringing me these giant black maitake uh, mushrooms. <gasps> Each one mushroom comes in a cake box, and they're incredibly expensive. It's, it's, it's $22 for one mushroom. So I'm gonna bring them, I'm roasting them whole, entire thing, um, with a bit of brown butter, and then at the table side, we're gonna pour like a miso butter over top. Beautiful. You know, and a little togarashi, and a little chives, mm, and, and have that, and it's beautifully presented, because it's giant, and then I'm literally, or the waiter will carve it at the table for how many people are there. And there's literally this one mushroom. Like we're gonna have to charge sixty dollars for this one say mushroom. You have to charge yeah. at you know? least triple that. So it'll be the world's most expensive <laughs> mushroom. mushroom. <laughs> so I feel you know amazing. I have the sky's the limit, really. But within a certain confine, yes, yeah. absolutely. I'm really curious about service, like the other side of it. And I know that in this, there's what you expect in this kind of place, right? And there's what I expect in you know the the dinette, whatever people thought that meant. But I, like, I know from my experience that I, like the first fancy restaurant experience ever had with a tasting menu, I remember when that person came out with the crummer, you know, which is like a little steel <laughs> rod that yeah. looks like a pen, but it's not a pen. And they reached across the table, like, where's this dude reaching? <laughs> and they scraped the crumbs off the table. And I was like, this is the fanciest shit I have ever seen I in have my life. friends who eat here still talk about us crumbing the table. <laughs> In between like courses, which depending on how you're raised, is you know, a, a, you know, it's a bit of a like a shock to you somehow. Yeah. But also, I've eaten out in New York and I've eaten out in LA, and not to like, not to put Toronto on that metric, but like the standard of service here is lousy. Oh. Why is service so terrible in this country? See, I would have to disagree. Mm. Tell me why. Well. So, um, yes, maybe I agree the service is totally terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you. I rest my case. Thank you for agreeing with so, me. <laughs> I do have to agree with you there. Um, but it depends how you look at it. You know, as a base level of food, Toronto is a million times better than any American city that I've ever been to. But that being said, yes, Torontonians are really willing to accept mediocrity. I definitely agree that there is a mediocrity that's accepted here. Yeah. And I think that as any restaurateur, we strive to make the best impression, just like you're saying, like, oh, yeah. they're coming with the highest expectations. Like, yeah. I'm coming to Jacob's. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna get it the It better best. be freaking good or else I'm writing a bad review exactly. on, um, on whatever. But just like they come and they, they have this high expectation in coming in here, it's the same when they yeah, come 100%. into the dinette yeah. and they're like, what do you mean I can't have right. this? or I can't have that. Like, do you ever get well, people who come in here and put their feet up or ask you for ketchup? Um, so, yes. yes. We've had, we've had some, we've had some <laughs> Donald Trumps in here. Well done, please ketchup. And when I refuse, I've had that same person come back the week later with their bottle of ketchup. And, um, Fuck off. Yeah, Just so I've you. literally gone up to the table and grabbed it off the table and taken it away. And I said, you can either go and take your steak sauce with you or because we provide these steak sauces here which we didn't even indulge in because you don't what even are, have what to because the, the meat is what are the so sauces, the superfluous sauces that we have in front of us right 
Well, I mean, so chimichurri, uh, bacon and blue cheese, and, and ponzu, which is a soy ginger citrus based sauce. And they all have their amazing place in it. But literally, like, Maybe. did you miss it? Did you no. need it? I mean, no, the, the steak, steak speaks for itself. And yeah. salt and like, it what? doesn't need anything. Yeah, you know, yeah. you really but don't. I have, to, I have to tell you, Dan, I'm like, the standard is usually the whatever we can do to satisfy the customer. I'm right. surprised that you didn't say, right. yep, we, we always have Heinz and we hand it out whenever people want. No, you don't well, give them the... We have ketchup for the fries, but it's literally not a thing that's offered. It has to be asked for. Yeah. Um, but we have it. And, you know, I'm fine with ketchup. I believe in ketchup. I love ketchup. But, you know, there's a line. So why, you know, do, just try it. If you don't like it, honestly, go somewhere else. Yeah. No, you know, like if Have we're not ever... for you, but I'm always ready to make someone happy. Yeah. I'm always willing to try something, but I'm not going to alter a dish. I always say you can take away, but you don't add. Yeah, Has anyone ever asked to, for a bottle of ketchup <laughs> with their Wagyu steak? <laughs> so it's happened twice. <gasps> no! Yeah. Twice that I remember. Oh so literally um, ketchup and uh, the same guy who added all the ketchup asked for three uh, full ramekins, which are about an ounce of black pepper. So he drenched it in ketchup and black pepper and ate it like Get that. Out. What Leave. happened to this guy? <laughs> <laughs> like, See, I will, sometimes I wonder if they're doing it as a joke to test right. me. You yeah, know, like, I, so I really, really I'm so it? like, is you know, really? <laughs> so. But often, you know, I feel like there's a lot of cultural differences that I can't understand. True. So that's why I'm open a little bit to these, you know, cultural yeah. differences. When you say cultural differences, was this person a time traveling? Like, was this, was this Daniel Day Lewis's character from There Will Be Blood? And he was just like, I'm a power mad oil I, magnet determined to assert my will on this steak shaft. Must be. You are a special person. What do you mean? Right back at you. Like, I'm just like, yeah. Right back at you. I'm really, really. No, I'm having a great time chatting. Really, really enjoying this conversation. Imagine if like we weren't getting along, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I just what? like ended up sitting at the end of the table. Like, it would make great like, radio. Are we over like, yet or what? Like, uh... Double pour. Cheers. Cheers. Nice. The producer of Taste Buds is Ali Graham. Sound design and mixing by Chandra Bullicon. Canterland's managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Theme music is by Nathan Burley. And I'm your host, Corey Mintz. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey Mintz. That's C-O-R-E-Y-M-I-N-T-Z or Z. And friends, we're a new show. Your support really matters. Every iTunes review, social media share, it really makes a difference. So if you could let your buds know about Taste Buds, it would mean a lot to us. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 